Before we start today's episode, we want to give a huge thank you to our new supporter that we're very passionate about called eBlitz. Nothing kills online gaming for me more than random toxic teammates. Well, the eBlitz app is the perfect solution for gamers of all levels. It's free and completely free to use. Create your profile, mark your favorite games and platforms, and start swiping through profiles to build your buddy network. This really is the perfect solution for games where teamwork is vital, like Overwatch or Rust. Download today for free using a link in the episode description. Shazam! Hello everyone! Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are a team of three dads who are lifelong gamers, and we love to talk casually about video games. Every other Monday, we do a deep dive where we discuss a single game for a full episode, and today we will be deep diving Wasteland 3. You guys know the drill, but make sure to toss us a follow, rate us five stars, and leave a written review if you use Apple Podcasts. You can also help support our show financially while unlocking perks like gaining access to our bonus Squadcast episodes on Patreon. Just visit MultiplayerSquad.com to sign up. I am your host, Paul, and I am joined by my two fellow Arizona Rangers. I can't believe we actually played a game that starts out in our home state of Arizona. Coming up first, the man who has 10 out of 10 lockpicking skills, and I know this for a fact because he has practiced lockpicking in real life. I've seen him do it on Discord. It's Josh. I. This is very true. This is... <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's be honest. Lockpicking is one of the most useful skills that you can have in a game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, why not have that skill in real life? So I actually can pick a decent amount of locks. Yeah. <laughs> Even back in the day, sometimes when we would record, you would have your little lockout yeah. in your tool and you'd show me and Todd and not nearly as in. hard as you would think it is. <laughs> Shockingly easy. Yeah. With some practice. Oh, very nice. And then also joining us, he has 10 out of 10 weapon modding. Maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but I do know for a fact he loves the PC modding community. I think he also had something like 200 mods installed for his PC version of Skyrim. It's Michael. Yes, it was 147 mods. Uh, I'll, send <laughs> oh you, I'll send you all my build. And that That's was for bananas. the VR version, too, which means it was really hard to get to work right. <laughs> um, I have never seen... Uh, Sophia walked through walls before until that point, which, by the way, she's a mod as well, second companion. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the uh, the modding introduction. And uh, 140 I, mods, 147. Yeah, <laughs> you might have an addiction to mods, Michael. I love like I have not played Fallout Four yet, and I've modded, modded for it? About, I've modded it for about <laughs> I think 168 hours of modding. Um, not a true story. <laughs> <laughs> very nice well guys we're deep diving wasteland 3 i feel like we've been talking about this one for a little while michael do you want to tell the people why it is that we're covering wasteland 3 today yes we're covering this because our community is awesome specifically one person in this community well there's many <laughs> there's many awesome people in the community but one person decided to go on patreon and say you know what i'm gonna go legendary status and when you go legendary you never go back that's true actually because your name shows up in gold in our discord forever but also yep. if you support us at legendary status you get to pick a game for us <laughs> to play whether we love it or hate it we're playing that game, and this person's name is Red Letter. Actually, a friend of ours also. Um, I don't know him personally. I believe you guys both do. Um, but Red Letter said, hey, 
play some Wasteland 3. And I'm like, what's Wasteland 3? And he's like, well, it's the sequel to <laughs> Wasteland 1 and Wasteland 2. You know this because it's called Wasteland 3. And so we're mm-hmm. playing it for Red Letter. Thank you, Red Letter. We are so excited to talk about this. Um, and I apologize if uh, one of us, probably Josh, doesn't like it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, am I? Wait, am I? Am I the guy that doesn't like You're the games? Grumpy old it, troll. It, it, well, yeah, but am I, am I like the guy that's like, man, Josh isn't going to like this? Is that I the bet, reputation I have? I bet you've murdered more games, yeah, than oh. any any of us. I think. I, probably. Really? Paul probably. literally called me out really? one time for never murdering a game, and I still I mean, don't that's think true, I'm going to murder game. But see, but see, as you're settling in as like a host of this show, you're getting more comfortable. So I feel like in the beginning you were like, I just don't want to have any strong opinions about anything. And then, <laughs> and then we we have basically raked you over the coals enough that you're like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Very it's true. Fine if I hate this game, and it's fine if I tell you you're stupid for liking it. Yeah, the hardest <laughs> the hardest day of my life was when I had to try and defend Elite Dangerous, and yeah. that was a strong opinion apparently for this show. And that was so much fun. <laughs> that was I really enjoyed that. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> Oh, I still can't believe the disparity between you two in particular on, Best game on ever. Elite Dangerous. Oh, goodness. Well, yes. Thank you so much, Red Letter. Red Letter is a legendary supporter of ours. We do also owe a couple of shout outs. So anytime someone signs up on Patreon, we always give you guys a shout out on the show. And in this case, we do have two. So uh, you guys know this is my favorite thing to do on the show. But we've got to give a shout out to Nightwizard63, who signed up with Epic Status and also, we've got Papa Thunderfist, who has been a supporter for a little while on Rare Status. He bumped it up to Epic just this morning. So thank you so much to both Night Wizard 63 and Papa Thunderfist. We really do appreciate the support. Woo-hoo! I wish I had a party yeah. popper right now, but it hurt everyone's ears in their cars. <laughs> and it Hit those air horns, Paul. The air horns. <laughs> the air horns. Give the air horns. We're, we're going to slowly turn into every morning radio show where it's oh, just all yeah. sound effects. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, recycle no, radio rock. <laughs> yes. Papa Thunderfist is a gamer after my own heart. Like I said, we just had a nice conversation about some some roguelike card games. Uh, Night Wizard has been a member of the community for a long time. Just honestly, one of my favorite people in the community as well. And then let's not forget about Epic supporter Yoda, because he's been Epic for a long time now. And yes, Yoda sir. is one of the first people to always tell everybody good morning. I actually really look forward to that. Um, as goofy as it is, because he just pops in, he says good morning, and then I think he's off to work. But it's just really one of those <laughs> things where when I uh, when I start my morning routine, seeing Yoda hop in there and say good morning to everybody is uh, is is a highlight. Yeah, I've never talked yeah. to Yoda because he gets up way before I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I always see those good mornings a little bit too late, but yep. yeah. But thank you all for the support. It it keeps this show going. So everybody else that's listening is uh, is thankful as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I do want to say one thing before we jump into the deep dive. We will give you guys spoiler warnings before we talk about any major spoilers in Wasteland 3. Now, we do have to set the stage. We're going to have to talk a little bit about the structure of the game, some of the early companions, things of that nature. So there will be some mild spoilers, but I don't think it'll negatively impact you going through the game. However, later in the episode, we will give a major spoiler warning where we're going to talk about choices we made, end game content, funny side missions, anything that we want to open up and talk about. Uh, so you can listen here without worrying, and we'll make sure to give you that warning when the time comes. That's true. We're going to let you know before we tell you the preacher is the werewolf. <laughs> yes. Sorry. We will, we will. 
Oh, goodness. All right. Well, you know what, guys? It's the start of our turn. We got all of our action points ready. Let's move into position and deep dive Wasteland 3. Okay, we always start off by reading a description of the game. Here is a summary that I pared down from Metacritic. In Wasteland 3, you take command of a squad of desert rangers, lawmen, and women in a post-nuclear world trying to rebuild society from the ashes. More than a century after the bombs fell, you're fighting a losing battle to keep Arizona alive. Then the self-proclaimed patriarch of Colorado radios, promising aid if you'll do a job that only he can entrust to an outsider, rescue his land from his three bloodthirsty children. Decide who to trust. Build a reputation for yourself by making decisions that will impact the story and decide to be Colorado's savior or its worst nightmare. All right. Now, one thing I did not know about Wasteland until playing Wasteland 3 are the ties that it has to the Fallout series. Oh, yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, for, for people out there, they may not know, just like I didn't. Is that um, back in the day, Interplay Entertainment, they developed the very first Wasteland game all the way back in 1988, uh, when Josh was only a, a young adult in, he his, was, in his mid-20s. I was not an adult <laughs> yet. <laughs> Somehow. No. I, I actually did play the original game. I oh, remember I remember playing the original Wasteland. My brother and I played that game together, and I thought oh, it was wow. absolutely phenomenal. Josh was only 28, but his beard was already 47. Uh, true. And the the original Wasteland, it looks like Zelda 1 or Zelda 2 on NES. Mm-hmm. It's got like that style graphics. So they made that all the way back in 88, and then they just sat on the IP. They did nothing at all with Wasteland. Time goes on, and then Interplay decided to make a spiritual successor called Fallout, and they did that in 1997. And of course, they kept making Fallout games. And finally, Interplay sold the rights of Wasteland in 2003, and then In Exile Entertainment finally made Wasteland 2 in 2014, and then they made Wasteland 3 in 2020 through crowdfunding. Now, this was the first Wasteland game that I played. Josh, you mentioned playing the first one when it first released. Did you also play Wasteland 2? I did. I've actually... So, Wasteland 3, I had not played until Red Letter picked this game for us, and it's one of those games where I've always had it like on my wish list or in in the back of my mind going like, man, I love the Wasteland series. I need to remember that Wasteland 3 exists. Uh, but yeah, I played one and two and loved both of them. So when when Red Letter said, hey, I picked a game. What is it? And, or, you know, and I said, what is it? He said, Wasteland 3. I actually got really excited. Uh, <laughs> there was a very animated conversation that I had with him where I was like, yes, like, dude, thank you. Like, I've been wanting to play this game and see what it's all about and oh man is it going to hold up to to the memories i had of one and two what about you michael was this your first wasteland game like me it sounds like it was uh no i played it when it was called fallout new vegas (laughs) 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 no i'm kidding i i was also very excited um i had never played a wasteland game but i did about a year ago i watched like an hour-long youtube video about the fallout series and it started with Wasteland. It basically went through the whole history of how like, this is a spiritual successor. This kind of started the whole road. All those things that I was like, interesting. I had never heard of it. And so when Red Letter picked Wasteland 3, I, was, I, I didn't have the elation that Josh had, but I was very excited. Yeah. Well, you know, Michael, you are the assigned Mr. Plot of the Multiplayer <laughs> Gaming Podcast. I have for Dr. Plot. 
Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and kind of just set the stage for us? Tell us a little bit about how Wasteland 3 opens from a story perspective. I can sure do that. We're rangers from the greatest state in the union that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> the state of Arizona. Uh, and okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to keep that voice going for the whole time. Sure. Um, so sometime between the Clinton administration and the Bush administration in this fictitious world, a global nuclear war happens in 1998. And in this world, it's about 100 years later, and basically the world is what you think it would be. It's uh, it's just a mess. There's uh, robot AI everywhere, kind of zombies. There's a bunch of cannibals. Bad things are happening, right? The thing is, is there's an entire government collapse, but somehow... We still have a military. And in in this game, our characters are part of a military or a militia, I guess you could say, probably more over a militia. And essentially, we are called the Arizona Rangers. Now, what happens is Arizona's not doing so hot because it's hot in Arizona. (laughs) And we're not here. Yeah. So we're like cotton, Michael. Yeah, we can't farm like we can't. We had oranges, but we built highways over the orange groves and that happened. So we're far from Florida. Well, anyways, this man called the patriarch in Colorado is like, hey, listen. Yeah, my kids are missing. I need some help. You come up here, I'll help you. You come find my kids, I will help you. Uh, we'll talk about his kids later in the spoiler section, but they're not really kids anymore. Um, anyways, long story short, we're on our way up there to Colorado, help out the patriarch, uh, who's basically just, I don't know if this is spoiler territory or not, basically he's just, he's a guy who got himself into power because he probably organized a whole bunch of people, and you know how it is, he who has the biggest stick controls a lot of things, and the patriarch, well, literally sits on a throne of nuclear weapons, so he's got a big stick. Um, anyways, so we're on our way up there, these guys called the Dorseys attack us, kill everybody, including our commander, except for myself and my partner in the game. And that's kind of based on how you start the game and you start your characters out. Um, And then you kind of go into the character creation. You pick your two rangers that you're going with. Our commanding officer dies, not spoiler territory yet, because this happens in the first six minutes of the game. We get to Colorado (laughs) Springs. We set up and we go in and we're like, hey, we're going to help the patriarch. We're going to find his kids. And then just like so many games that we've reviewed here, Things are not as they seem. Perhaps we don't know. And that's the whole, the whole thing is, is we're, we're going after these three kids, but we're trying to decide who to trust and our decisions make a difference. That's, that was a decent one, right? That was a good, that was a good start. Yeah. I feel no, good about perfect. that one. I'm going to give myself yeah. six, six stars out of 10 on that one. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Right off the bat, right? They kind of just give you like your major storyline missions. It's find this kid, find this kid and find this kid. And along the way, you're going to just have a whole bunch of side stories and stuff that kind of fills in the world and all the gaps. I think he pretty much hit all the main points. Anything you would add on to that, Josh? Um, the game does a pretty good job of instantly making you a little suspicious uh, of like the patriarch <laughs> and people sure. around you and stuff like that. You know, um, your initial conversation, this happens within the first 15 minutes of the game. With the patriarch is he basically says, listen, I think my kids are trying to overthrow me. They're all missing. I I have a general idea of where they are, but I need your help. And if you help me, then I'll help Arizona. I'll give them oil and and food and stuff like that. So you you obviously have an incentive to go help the patriarch. But right away, it's kind of like, is this guy good? Is he bad? Do I want to help him? Maybe I want to help his kids. Like maybe I don't want to help anybody. Should I just blow up this whole town? You know, and 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 (laughs) you know, this is one of those games where the choice is yours. You can kind of play it how you want. Yeah, and there's a lot of branching stories along the way. There are almost like hidden alternate endings based on different decisions you make. It definitely lives up to the bill as far as RPG storytelling. 
And and then Josh, from a gameplay perspective, like what genre would you classify this as? What's the gameplay like? This is 100% a CRPG, which stands for computer role-playing game. It's very akin to Divinity Original Sin 2, Baldur's Gate, um, Path of Exile, uh, you know, some of those type games. It's an isometric viewpoint. You have a party, you move them around the world. Uh, you go out, you talk to a lot of different characters. There's lots of different dialogue options. You have conversations, you explore cities and, and the wilderness and stuff like that. Um, you're going to fight and fighting in this game is turn-based combat. And like a lot of other games, you have a certain number of action points that your characters can take. Shooting a gun takes a certain amount of action points. Moving takes a certain amount. Throwing a grenade takes some. Healing somebody takes some. So you use your action points to kind of, you know, do what your characters want to do in combat. Um, you get quests. You get side quests. Uh, there's the overarching plot that we kind of touched on already. And you have a ton of choice. Like this is another thing that Wasteland does uh, akin to a lot of the other games that, that I mentioned is if you want to help the patriarch, by all means, be his right-hand man, go help him out, round up his kids, bring him back. If you want to help his kids and you think, you know what, I see why his kid left. Maybe I side with that and I like their idea. Do that. If you want to just kill everybody in town and say, <laughs> hey, rangers are in town, people. I'm killing everybody. <laughs> you can do that too. And guess what? You're not going to actually wreck the game. Like the choice matters in this game. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically gameplay in a nutshell. If you've ever played a CRPG, a turn-based combat RPG, uh, you know, this falls right into that vein. I love that you uh, have... Uh, spoon fed me what CRPG is because I've been yeah. asking a lot of questions about that lately. <laughs> lately. Like, I've heard you guys say Metroidvania. Listen, guys, I just play video games. Like, I don't know what any exactly. Hey, Michael, are. I'm going to blow your mind. There's this thing called Google, where I, if you type in what is a CRPG, it will actually give you a full definition, examples, like a full rundown. It's pretty cool technology. <laughs> I only live in an alternate universe where Hot Tub Time Machine says that Lugal is actually the Google. <laughs> oh, <laughs> do. nice. Um, yeah, but it, I, it does I, get a it does get a little confusing when you start looking at JRPG versus CRPG, and even over time, those words have changed. Like computer RPG used to just be like as opposed to tabletop RPG, but it's very similar. So you can kind of imagine you got a lot of the similar skills you would have in a Dungeons and Dragons kind of game, creating your character, different skills. We're going to get into all those details, of course. And um, the only thing I would add on to that is that you will run a squad of six people. So over the course of the game, you can recruit other people into the Rangers. You're going to find people in this world that are going to ask to join your team because they've been impacted by the events in the story. And uh, you can also fight with animals as well. <laughs> we'll get into that in, in a few minutes as well. One of the most important parts of any RPG, and this is definitely the case for Wasteland 3 as well, are the different point systems. Now, you have your attributes, which you will put points into. They're basic stats that you would imagine kind of for any RPG. In Wasteland, they break them down into coordination, luck, awareness, strength, speed, intelligence, and charisma. Even though they have different names, it's all very run-of-the-mill stats. They're going to increase your chance to crit, or they're going to increase how heavy of armor you can wear, you know, things of that nature. But I think where Wasteland 3 really stands out are the skills. 
There are a total of 22 skills that you can pick from, and this is going to give you different abilities that you can do in the world of Wasteland or give you new lines of dialogue that are otherwise locked off to you. So when you guys looked at all the skills based on the time that you've spent playing this game, are there any in particular that stuck out that you either enjoyed or that you thought are really vital? I Oh, go ahead, Michael. I, I was just going to say, uh, I'll give you a behind the curtain. I, I started out by playing the two nerds, and so I had like nerd stuff as one of my skills. And then I had, um, what was the other one they had? I can't remember. And they literally call it nerd stuff. Yeah, it's called nerd game. stuff. Michael's it's called not nerd just stuff. saying that. No, I, I say things like that. But in this case, it actually is nerd stuff. And um, uh, instantly I put basically every one of my characters was maxed out on automatic weapons and big guns, guys. Those are the most important ones in this game. <laughs> oh, very nice. So you put some into like the strict gunfighting putting a lot of points into those early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of strength when it came to the attributes because it gave you health and I didn't want to die. Mm. And it's tough to have, like, armor that you can't equip, so there's always a little bit of attempt to just put points into strength anyway. Yeah, it was, but, it was weird that a lot, of the str- a lot of the armor you couldn't put on unless you had a strength rating, which was kind of strange, mm-hmm. um, and so you kind of had to do that a lot, and so that was important as well. What about you, Josh? What'd you like to pump those points into? See, I... I'm the opposite, man. I can't stand when I'm talking to somebody and I see an option that tells me, hey, if your if your speech level was a certain amount, you could you could do this option, but it's not high enough, so guess what? You can't. Yeah. You know, or if there's like a door where it's like, hey, you need a lock picking skill of six. And I'm like, well, dang it, I'm only a three. Like, what's behind that door? So I have learned that I generally will go for the skills that I think are going to open up more options in a game versus like the fighting part. So for me, um, you know, this game has Animal Whisperer. Well, instantly I'm like, I know I want pets. So I'm going Animal Whisperer. Uh, Michael mentioned nerd stuff. There's another one called Weird Science where it's like, you know what? Okay, like machine guns are fun, but you know what's even more fun? A shrink ray or a (laughs) microwave gun or some of these really out there weapons. So I definitely went with the uh, weird science skill. Uh, And then there was a couple where it was called for family friendly. uh, It's called sneaky stuff, but they call it something much more in your face. And I'm like, I got to be able to sneak around. That's fun to do in games. And then there was two other ones where these actually caught me off guard, where it's basically, they call it hard ass and kiss ass. And I thought, yeah, like, sure do. what are these skills? <laughs> I want both of those. And so those are the skills that I genuinely focused on for the most part, to the point where we have chatted offline. There's a sniper that you get, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But my sniper had a max of like four sniper skills. And she was the worst character in my party because I never actually leveled up her ability what? to shoot her sniper rifle. Oh, uh, <laughs> you left no. it too low, huh? I know, yeah. Oh. So I really did focus on the non-combat skills, probably to my own detriment in this game. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I, I can say that like what Josh is saying actually is important. Um because you, you really want to diversify your party is the biggest thing. Can we talk about that? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so important that because you will go through different members of your party in the game, it's almost required that sometimes like in, in your party you have six people, four people are rangers, two are randos, and that's just the way it is. Two are random people who offer, and you can't have more than two random people. And then there's the four people that are just rangers who you can just grab from your base, whatever you want to do, so on and so forth. But when you lose someone, like I had someone who had a ten on lock picking, like Josh had, I lost this person. 
And I'm like, I have a max lock pick of two now. I can't get into any door. And so that was also important. But yeah, the combat, uh, my sniper was incredible, by the way. Paul, sorry, I just talked right <laughs> over no. what you were going to say. You, you oh, no, talk no, now. You're good. I, I'm really hoping that Paul touches on the toaster repair skill. No, I, my goodness, yes. I, it's, it's, it's on my list, yes. <laughs> okay. now, now, first of all, I think you touched on something really important there, Michael, which is you need to diversify your skills. Don't create every character with max first aid and max assault rifles or uh, you know automatic weapons that's not going to give you a very fun playthrough and so in my game i had my one dude yuri he i put every point into lock picking until he was 10 out of 10 and i had another character that i put a bunch of points into leadership and that way you're kind of diversifying your options if you have two people that are maxed out on the same skill you're really just limiting your options in the game but yeah so animal whisperer let's talk about that for a second all right the game has a lot of animals. They hit you with Mr. Tomcat, I think is his name. Major, Major, Major Tomcat. Tom, yeah, yep. Major Tomcat right off the bat. And if you have any points in Animal Whisperer, you can basically tame that animal and they will follow you. Now, you do not get to do their action, but at the beginning of every turn, they will do their own thing. They will run off and fight people. And in my playthrough, I did put animal whisperer points on three characters and dude i ran around with a freaking bear in my party i had the yeah. bear too it was the best dude it the would, bear it was frenzy. amazing it would frenzy oh. and scare everything away yeah give me that cyborg chicken man the cyborg chicken was great <laughs> the cyborg yeah. chicken razorbacks stags yeah, yeah the does, stag was great too. waste waste wolves Yep. Yeah, there's Dogs. some cool creatures. Yeah. <laughs> animal Whisper, I thought was very cool. Yeah, the Animal Whisper was very beneficial because it was like having an extra person in your party. And some some of the things you fight are more susceptible to taking melee damage or melee if you're Paul. Um, and and some are more susceptible to like weapons fire. And so it's really funny because you see sometimes like your barrel go in and hit something and it barely takes any damage. And then you'll see like I was fighting this giant scorpion at one point and my bear swiped it. It took like a third of its health. And I'm like, my entire party shot. All of our action points took a third of its health. The bear just walks up and goes, Rrr! and like that's it's it's really, really helpful. Well, yeah, it's it's a freaking bear, Michael. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, get any better than that. That is true. Uh, a cyborg we, chicken, maybe. <laughs> just by comedic value alone. Now now Josh did mention toaster repair. Guys, uh, what 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 does this even mean? I put no points into it at first oh. and the only time I did any googling was how do I make any money in this game because I never had enough cash to actually spend until very late in the game. And I read online put points into toaster repair and that's one of the best ways to make money. So randomly you run across literally toasters and you repair it, and it gives you, like, a gold coin or some kind of item that you can sell. Why toaster repair? Is there, like, something here that I'm missing? It just seems toast, so random. Toasters are great, man. I and do. that toast, you get the, you yeah, unlock the, the perk where you get the toast when you start repairing toasters. <laughs> And yep. then the toast, it's like the toast with the most, man. They full, a piece of toast fully heals your 100%. character and gives you bonus action points. It's yep. like the greatest thing ever. But why toast? This makes no sense. It's magical why not toast, toast Paul? It's, it's super toast. Who doesn't toast. like toast? Why not yeah. toast? <laughs> I can understand toast. like, like a scavenging ability and you maybe like scavenge parts out of a computer. The, the, the game's humor we're going to get into a little bit later, but toaster repair is clearly just, for the lulls, because it doesn't yeah. really make any logical sense. 
but let, let, let's go ahead and move on and talk a little bit about weapons. You know, Josh mentioned a little bit here. This game has a lot of different weapon types. Uh, the one thing that does make it very different from another CRPG like Divinity Original Sin 2 is that you do not have any spells. The game is almost entirely focused on throwable items and physical weapons. So this game has assault rifles, shotguns, submachine guns, pistols, snipers, heavy machine guns, flamethrowers, rocket launchers, blunt weapons, bladed weapons, brawling weapons, and laser weapons. Also, guys, every weapon has its own different ammo type. This is kind of a wild list, but you have 9mm, 7.62, BBs, 45s, 5.56, spikes, 38, bolts, shotgun shells, flamethrower fuel, 50, energy cells, saw blades, rockets, tactical nukes, and no, I'm not kidding, frozen ferrets. Oh, yes. I was hoping yep. you mentioned the frozen uh, ferrets, Paul. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, yep, common ammo like frozen ferrets. So, were there any weapons in particular that you guys really liked or disliked in this game? Uh, yes. I had two weapons that I made sure. I, I was joking earlier when I said big guns and automatic weapons, but I also wasn't joking because big guns was a lot of like your rocket launchers and flamethrowers. I loved having one character rocking around with a rocket launcher because I had toaster repair skills so I could afford like the 114 credits it cost every time you shot a rocket launcher because it was expensive. Rockets are expensive in this game. But um, and you can only fire a rocket every two turns because it takes one turn to shoot the rocket and a whole turn to reload it. And but it was really nice because flamethrowers and rocket launchers did AOE damage which was really helpful. And so I had fun with that. And then the other thing that I really loved was having Marshall Kwan rolling around with the 50 cal because that thing just mowed people down. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, the, the the heavy weapons were kind of fun. The only thing I didn't like about them, and maybe this is just from the way I built out my character, the hit accuracy was always so low that he would fire like six bullets and only three of them would hit, but the ones that would hit would do a lot of damage. But sometimes you'd have really bad luck and they would miss all but one bullet. And that always really bugged me. I always liked having weapons where my chance to hit was more in that 85 to 95%. I I know for me, I I relied very heavily on snipers. I had two characters outfitted for snipers and, and by the end game, you would have where you could one shot any of the smaller mobs. By the mm-hmm. very end, even some of the more strong bosses, you could take out huge chunks with snipers. And I, I always enjoyed rolling with those. That's if you remember to put sniper points, points in them on into your sniper. Oh, see, that's <laughs> I, that's I kind of missed that part with my sniper. Dude, I, I love the idea that like Josh's sniper is good enough to fire other snipers, but they look at a better sniper and they're like. I don't know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, I can't handle this. It's what is too this big. thing in my hand? It's yeah. too strong. I, I went with a completely balanced loadout. I had my one AR character. I had one big guns character. I had one weird science character that was shooting microwave guns and ion bolters and stuff like that. And frozen I ferrets. Two, I had two melee guys, um, and then I had a. Um, a shotgun person, like a small arms shotgun person, because the shotguns actually have a spread and you can hit a lot of people at the same time. So I really kind of tried to cover the board. Um, the frozen ferret launcher is hilarious. There's a lot of really funny 
guns in this game. Um, you know, it's not just ARs and pistols and stuff. You get some really wacky weapons in this game, which are actually a lot of fun. It's funny when Josh mentions that because you really, I, again, like we talked about earlier, you want a very diverse loadout. Like I, I talk about the big guns and the rocket launchers, but my loadout was literally almost exactly like his. I had Lucia who had a pistol and that pistol was like a sniper rifle. You just had to be really close. But if you shot someone with that pistol and you were close, they were down. And then I had Banshee who had the sniper rifle. She was my homegirl. Loved her so much. She also had an animal whisperer backed out. But then I had, you know, a couple automatic weapons and then the rocket launcher and the flamethrower and then a shotgun. And it just it makes a lot of sense because you've got a whole bunch of different ways to do it. The one thing I didn't delve into enough that I wish I had was a melee person. Mm. But my bear did that. Yeah, yeah, the, the animals cover that a little bit for you. Now, how did you guys feel about the whole ammo system? Like, it's it's kind of easy to run out of ammo and not realize. I don't know about you guys. I was sometimes in combat, and I would go to fire with someone, and they would say, your gun's not loaded. And I'd be like, well, I know I've got the system set to auto-reload after combat ends. And then I'd realize, oh, I have 17 ammo types, and I just ran out of 9mm and now all of a sudden I have to like switch guns or something like that. The ammo I thought was a neat idea. I almost found it to be a little too high maintenance where it was more annoying than providing benefit. I'm with you on that. Like I get it. There's a certain realism. You're shooting automatic weapons and these weapons, you know, flamethrowers that, you know, use flamethrower fuel and stuff like that. So I get it. It was unfortunate in combat when your character would need to reload because that used action points. I found that I actually ran out of ammo a good bit because some mm -hmm. of the bigger guns, like the machine guns Fly or the ion blasters and stuff, would just churn through ammo to the point where I, I'm now out of ammo and I got to switch weapons and make sure that that character had a backup weapon on them or something like that. It's one of those systems where it's like... I get on the one hand, it adds a layer, but on the other hand, it's kind of inconvenient at the same point. So is it worth the trade-off on that or not? You know, it's, it's tough. I'm with Michael. I found myself spending a lot of money on rockets because I had a guy that used a rocket launcher. So instead of buying armor upgrades or some of these other things, I would always just tap out the rocket supply, which would tap out my money. I never fired a single rocket. It's the what? one. It's so the much one fun. I did not put points into any characters for explosives, and oh. I never had high enough explosives to access rockets, oh, so great. I was focused way more where I would have one or two brawlers, one or two snipers, one or two close to mid-range, and that's how I rolled, so I have, I've actually never fired a rocket. Yeah, every single time that I finish like a group of missions, you know, like you've got uh, the game is set up to where as you roam around and you go do things, you're going to different regions. You know, when you're done with that region on the map, you know, when it's time to go back to Colorado Springs. And every time I did that, I literally went to my doctor and I went to my arms dealer and I spent 100% of my money refilling my meds and ammo every single time. <laughs> so to Josh's point, like yeah. it was kind of like, a, oh, I have to go do this to make sure I'm good. Um, so I didn't find the ammo super annoying. But at the same point, it was kind of like, oh, I, if I forget to do this, I have to. And it happened one time. I was on my way to Denver. And I realized that I had money on me, which means I didn't have full ammo. And I had to drive my cart all the way, my truck all the way back to Colorado Springs and arm up. So yeah, kind of annoying. Not terrible. But yeah. Yeah, and uh, speaking of those med kits, I think they were forty bucks each. Like they were, they were expensive. You healed a lot in this game. Yes, yeah, you a need lot. a lot of heals, and at least for the ammo, the one thing that's kind of nice is it has a crafting system where you're constantly just looting scrap, and you just convert scrap into ammo. So 
instead of selling scrap, I was always using that to fund my ammo and then kind of, uh, you know, moving on from there. Well, guys, we're at that halfway mark. Let's take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at eBlitz. Okay, you all know how much we talk about trying to remove toxicity from gaming and how we want gamers to be able to come together to share their love of playing video games. Well, eBlitz takes that to another level. Their app helps you find fellow gamers that love the games you love. Want to find non-toxic friendly people to play Minecraft with? How about a killer squad in Apex that's friendly and supports each other? Want to get your Rocket League skills on my level? Find a friend on eBlitz you can practice with anytime. No more hoping you get lucky and match with a decent teammate. Take your fate into your own hands and check out the eBlitz app. The eBlitz app makes sign up simple. Just enter your email address, your favorite games, and things you like, and it will do the rest. Once registered, simply start swiping to match with other gamers who share similar interests as you, be it games, platform of choice, country, etc., and message them all in the same place. Never play alone again and create new gaming friends in seconds. Download today for free, and yes, it's completely free to use, off the App Store and Google Play Store. The link will be in the episode description. All right, we are back from our break. Let's talk a little bit about the companions. So, you know, we've thrown out a couple of the names. Maybe you've heard Banshee or Lucia. You know, were there any companions in this game that you ran across? By the way, Michael never recruited Jody Bell. Uh, you and I were talking the littlest bit about this game, and I mentioned how Jody was one of my snipers. And you're like, I don't know who you're talking about. And for me, that was the very first companion that I got. So you can actually miss out on entire companions where I went back and, and looked to see when you recruit her. And I could tell that Michael, you just didn't have points in those certain skills. So you were not able to intervene and save her. But let's just talk a little bit about some of our favorite companions that you guys ran across. Yeah. So Jody Bell um, died in my story. I never had a chance to save her. In fact, it it happened later on too, where I talked to another character and they're like, you didn't save all my kids because everything's related in this game. But <laughs> yeah. as far as companions go, three really stuck out for me. One was Lucia um, because she was really annoying. Every time you tried to make a decision that was against like the patriarch, she was like, I'm going to leave if you do this. And I was like, dang it. Stop saying that you got a really good gun. Uh, there was Banshee <laughs> because Banshee starts out with a decent sniper skill and decent animal whisperer. And so I just maxed those out and she was like a, a one-shot wonder. And then, of course, you got my homeboy, Marshall Kwan, who is the master of the 50 cal. And also, he was my one guy that I had first aid in. But um, he also was unique because he was one that you can start off with, and he basically is already a ranger. Or was he a marshal? I he's forget a, he's which a marshal in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a city marshal, and so he's a lawman like me. And so I'm like, okay, half the decisions I make in this are going to probably affect him in the same way that I'm trying to go being kind of a lawful good character. Uh, because you do find out early on that the companions will leave you if you make a decision that they don't like. And so I'm like, Marshall Kwan's my guy. Uh, he's going to come with me. And, uh, you know, that, that worked out. So those are the three that I really liked a lot. And I know that Josh had some very different ones, and so did you, Paul. So... Y'all talk about those guys, including your slavers and cannibals, you <laughs> scum. Oh, see, I, it's funny because in this game, you can start off, you start off with your two like default characters, and then you can recruit more like just generic NPC type party members from like your ranger headquarter. 
And in the beginning of the game, that's basically what I did. And I just built out a whole team. And so it was actually only a couple times in the game where I actually accepted one of the like plot NPCs like Lucia or something like that. Um, and so I did have Lucia in my party. She was the one that uh, I tried to go like just, you know, revolver with her, but then realized that shotguns are way better. Uh, Marshall Kwan, I ditched. Fairly oh, early on. Really? Yes. I did not like oh. him. He was boring. And I'm like, dude, I need I need more spice in this party, man. And you're just a normal AR type guy. Wow. Such good Sorry. voice acting. Dude, Quan yeah. killed the voice acting. He was my he favorite did. one. I never had Jody Bell. Um, I did have um, <laughs> oh, wow. Ironclad Ironclad Cordite because wow. I'm like, oh, well, this guy's like a warlord and this guy's evil. So, yes, join my party, <laughs> Mr. Ironclad. There goes your lawful good. It's out the window. Yeah, well, of course, you didn't expect otherwise. Yeah, that's a good um, point. And so, you know, I just, I had uh, Ironclad and Lucia were the only two, like, plot-level NPCs that I had in my party. The other Seriously? four... Wow. Yeah, the other wow. four were just my characters that I built in the beginning and just kept with me the whole time. So I looked up all the companions that you can find in this game, and I had all of them but one. There was one person that you can recruit at the bazaar that I did not get, but I, I had the others. Lucia, even though she is a little bit of a goody two shoes and she doesn't like you to do anything that even is uh, perceived as anti patriarch, she added a lot to the story because she lived there and you would run into bosses and she would say, Oh, I know this person. And she would talk about them or you would rescue a character and she would say, Oh, that's, that's my dad or that's my uncle or I know who these remains are because that's one of my family members. So I loved running with her, even though she kind of sucked from a combat perspective. Oh, I loved her at combat. Yeah. See, for me, she wasn't very good until toward the end. Um, But I also do have to mention my boy Fish Lips. Dude, <laughs> Fish, li- <laughs> Fish Lips, I initially did not want to run with. He's this like... Uh, wait, wait, why not? It, why didn't you want to run with him, Paul? <laughs> he, he he might be a cannibal. Okay, <laughs> he might you might meet him, and right off the bat, he says he's a cannibal. He's got like ma. Uh, what are they? What what do you call them? Like uh, uh, gauges. He's got like gauges and piercings everywhere. He's heavily tatted up. And initially, I was like, I don't know that I want to run with this guy because he seems a little bit like a psychopath. But I put him in my party just for the fun of it. Dude, he ran around with a saw sword, which is exactly what you think it sounds like. It's as long as a broadsword with like a, I don't know what kind of saw it's called, like some kind of like circular rotary saw at the end. And dude, he would just run around the field like a madman and bash people over the head. And he was so powerful doing melee combat. I loved fish lips. That dude ruled. I have to add about Lucia because you mentioned that she's, she's such a part of the plot. Um, I kept her in my party because she is like, there, there's, there's like three factions in this game. One of them is the Dorseys we talked about earlier, who are the ones that like sank our convoy at the very beginning cinematic of the game. Your convoy sinks into a lake. The Dorseys come blow it up. Lucia is like the most attached person to the Dorseys from an animosity standpoint. And so when you actually go take down that gang, like you have to have her in her party. I really wonder what Josh's playthrough would have looked like without Lucia because, it's I'm not going to spoiler territory actually, so I won't do that. But that's a big it's a big deal. Like it's weird. That's why I kept her along as well. Yeah, it would definitely be very different. All right. Now we've kind of talked about like 
laying out the structure of the game and all the different mechanics, did you guys find the actual combat to be fun? Because I know turn-based tactical combat is kind of high risk, high reward for a lot of people. You tend to either really love it or really hate it. Did you guys actually find the combat fun? It depends on what you're comparing it to. Um, uh, you know, one comp for this game is Divinity Original Sin 2. And if you're comparing it to that, then I would say, no, the combat is not nearly as in-depth, you know, as that game. Is it fun? Yes. Um, I think I played on a harder difficulty level for the combat because I enjoy the tactical combat and I really wanted to kind of put it through its paces. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things where one thing I do like in the game is that you might just find an abandoned building. I went into one. There was a bunch of like radioactive frogs in there. Yeah, absolutely wrecked me. <laughs> I, I got obliterated by these frogs. And then I went, okay, time to let, let's think about the strategy on this. Let me group my characters the right way. Let me play this the right way. And while it was a very tough fight, I wound up winning. And that's the part that I really enjoy with any kind of game like this is it's like, if you just bash your head against it, you're probably going to lose. If you play smart, use positioning, use the right you know abilities and right weapons at the right time, it really does matter. And so Wasteland 3 definitely leans into that to where there is that strategy component. So the smarter you play it, the better you're going to do at combat. I found it to be okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great, uh, in my opinion. It was serviceable for what the game was, but it is nothing like Divinity Original Sin 2, where I legitimately loved every moment of combat in that game. Whereas Wasteland 3, it was like, I don't hate it. But I don't love it. So comparing it to Divinity Original Sin 2, I think one of the things that that game provides that Wasteland does not are combining abilities that provide synergy and build off each other. Like in Divinity, you might cause damage to a character and now they bleed and now there's a red pool of blood on the ground and now you can use another character that can use that blood as part of a spell. Or I can put down a water barrel and shoot it. Now all the enemies are wet. Now I can hit it with some kind of electric ability and electrocute all the enemies in the water. Now in Wasteland, you can shoot an explosive barrel on occasion. And yeah, it blows up, but that's really all it is. Otherwise, everyone's just shooting with individual guns or hitting with individual weapons. I I agree with you, Josh. I don't think the combat was bad, but there is nothing special about the combat in this game. It's very run-of-the-mill, tactical, physical weapon RPG mechanics. Yeah, I think your party makeup and the weapons that you choose to use and the builds that you have. Like I said, I ran, I rolled with two melee guys, a big explosives guy, like a big weird science guy. And so I think it was those aspects that made combat more fun for me because of the way I built my party. If you if you just went all ARs and pistols and shotgun, I think it would be honestly kind of boring at that point, you know. And so I think it's kind of like how do you approach it? How did you build your party? Is that going to raise the bar or lower the bar a little bit? Um, I don't know. What about you, Michael? What'd you think? I found uh, uh, first of all, hundred percent what you said. Um, it's like I did the same thing where at first, you know, I would just try to barrel into something. About a third of the way through the game, I started getting smarter and saying, hey, I need to get Lucia positioned a little bit closer before they see me because she's got a handgun. Banshee's going to stay way far back. Got a shotgun or going up there. Uh, But I did find that uh, about halfway through the game, I got kind of tired of the combat. In all honesty, which I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but like most games, the last like three hours of this game is a hundred percent combat and almost no story until the very end. 
And I was just like trying to muscle through it and be like, can I just get more story? But you know me, I'm a story person. Um, I will say though, PSA real quick, um, because I did start this game twice. I got four hours in this game on the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, you did. I have to tell you, do not play this game on console. Do not. Do, don't don't do it. You will hate it. The combat is impossible. You shouldn't play a CRPG? A computer RPG on a console, Michael? Well, I don't want to talk. I didn't wait, know what wait, that C doesn't mean console RPG? <laughs> that, that's right. That works for both. That's what Michael thought it meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, well, it's funny because, you know, I picked it up on the PC and I didn't realize that, you know, PlayStation has their free stuff every once in a while. I've had PS Plus for years. I got it for free at some point. It was already on there. And I'm like, cool, I can do this from my couch instead of sitting in my office. I will say that the combat... Do not play it on console. That's the only time I'll bring this up. I know it's not part of our show doc, but don't do it. Play on the PC. (laughs) All right. Well, I know that we're kind of quickly running out of time here, but let's talk a little bit about the humor. Do you guys want to bring up like, let's, let's all bring up one thing each that we really thought was funny that we liked. Michael's raised in his hand. You can go first, buddy. What'd you like? The the music in this game (laughs) is so incredible because it's, it's ironically (laughs) funny. Okay. I'll cover it. I'll cover my favorite moment in the spoiler territory um, with the music, but it's like, you're going in and you're doing a fight and all of a sudden this ridiculous version of battle hymn of the republic comes on while you're blasting away at i want to spoil it so bad i want to spoil it so bad i can't do it but you're (laughs) blasting away at things and you're like hold on am i hearing everybody wang chung tonight right now because yes everybody have fun tonight and like a western version is on there and i don't know if it's supposed to be funny but i was dying and it was my favorite thing about this game hands down and also there's a version of land of confusion that's a very slow like methodical version it's on my iphone now i listen to it every day (laughs) (laughs) it's i'm glad you mentioned that michael because there was a moment where i was in a big fight and america the beautiful is Mm -hmm. just blaring in the background as i'm launching rockets and laser beams (laughs) and my guy's running up with his dentist toothpick weapon that he had Uh you know and america the beautiful is just blasting in the background and i'm literally sitting in my chair dying going like okay you know, this game gets some things very, very right, and this is one of them. So, yeah. Uh, for me, it's the side quests. There is an absolute plethora of side quests. And again, we kind of split duties a little bit. I focused a little bit more on combat and side quests. I know you guys went for like plot and end game and stuff like that. But there's some bananas side quests in this game. Um, one, you fight Santa Claus in his elf workshop, <laughs> you sure do. um, which was absolutely bananas because I was like, there's no way like you get a radio call and it's like, Hey, we're getting some distress calls. They're saying Santa Claus is going on a rampage. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I show up and it's legitimately Santa Claus and his elves. He's making drugs. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a drug lab. Do you, do you yeah. smell cookies? You, know? yeah. <laughs> you gotta Josh, distract you- Santa. Yeah, did you did you did you confront oh, him or did you oh, just yeah. start? Oh, I just started no. blasting. Oh no, I uh, I sent him to go smell to to the kitchen because I said I smell cookies, mm-hmm. and then I broke into his drug lab where the elves were packing up and and brewing all the drugs, and then that's when he caught me, and then all heck broke loose after that. Um, you got to free I mean, the elves. He was keeping yeah. them hostage. It's it's just this is a lot of what this game is, and it's hard to cover all that in a show. But this game's sense of humor is absolutely phenomenal. What what about you, Paul? What was one of your favorite moments? Oh boy, you know I try to go with something that you can do a lot in this game. And anytime you see a pile of snow, the game gives you an option to <laughs> pee on it. 
And then you can loot the snow pile. And now in your inventory, you have a yellow snowball, which you are free to throw on anyone you want. They will react and you might give them a debuff, like give them the stink that they now run around with. And uh, yellow snowballs, I thought, were a very funny addition to this game that do not really impact combat. It's just there for the humor. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this is where we're going to get into major spoiler territory. I'll go ahead and and give you a little warning here how far forward you'll want to fast forward. To avoid spoilers, jump ahead 8 minutes and 14 seconds. But let's go ahead and open up all things. Any side missions, any endgame reveals, what do you guys want to talk about? You fight a robotic Ronald Reagan while yes. you're listening to <laughs> Battle Hymn of the Republic, and it is hilarious. Wait, 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 wait. What's what's Ronald Reagan's title, Michael? Oh, the oh, what is it again? It's the God the God uh, He's the God President, Ronald Reagan. The God Riggs. President, yeah. Like so, yeah, and, and the faction and his, is the Gippers. Yeah, the Gippers and his and his followers, all the ones that are female are all named Nancy something that their job is. <laughs> Nancy Doctor. Yes. Nancy. <laughs> so they're all Nancy Reagans everywhere. Oh. I could not stop laughing through that. And there's a lot of questions that there's a lot of things you can do there. Like that's a part of the story where you go in three different directions. You either help robots, you help the Gippers, which is the followers of the God President Ronald Reagan, or you help neither and they both hate you. Well, I went with the choice where I help the robots. And you have to fight a giant robot, Ronald Reagan, with laser beams coming out of his eyeballs while Battle Hymn of the Republic is playing. It was the greatest, well, one of the greatest moments of any video game I've ever had in my life. It's It really is, man. That that area of the game, we talked about this, you know, we haven't mentioned it on the episode, but this game starts off a little slow. The first probably couple hours, you're, you're, you're not getting it, it's not jiving, and then it really starts to click. Like, once you get to what they call, like, the overworld... That, for me, is where the game really started to gel. And that's where you get to, uh, I think it's Denver, right? Isn't that where the Gippers yes, are and stuff Denver. like that? Yeah, right, Denver. yeah. Yep. And so that's when this game really just flung the doors open completely. And I started going like, oh my goodness, what is this game at that point? And uh, 100%. I mean, there's statues of Ronald Reagan. One is sentient. It shoots gigantic laser beams out of his <laughs> eyeballs. It talks to you. Um, you can go help the robot commune, which I decided I wanted to do. I instantly showed up. I had a guy that was very good at hacking things. And there was a greeter robot. And one of the options was hack his memory banks. And so I tried instantly. I went, okay, yeah, I'm going to hack this guy. And I got caught. And he was like, (laughs) what are you doing? Why are you trying to hack me? And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then it's funny because in that, if you follow that quest line, every bad thing that you even attempt, they bring bring back and they bring it up to to decide if they're going to ally with you. And I thought that was so cool that the game is keeping track. Of the fact that it's like, well, when you showed up, the very first thing you did was try to hack the greeter robot. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) I didn't know you were watching. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then one of the best parts is if you help the robot commune, which I decided I wanted to do. Your reward is a party pal robot, which is a giant traveling disco ball. That I was like, what is this thing? This thing's going to suck. Like, because if you help one of the other factions, you get some amazing rocket launcher. But the party pal was the best thing ever. (laughs) Anytime combat starts, he starts doing like these disco lights and everything, getting everybody amped up. And then he just sits there and shoots like healing darts at your people and stuff. So I was like, this is great. 
I have to say, since we're talking about Denver real quick, because um, I know I know Paul's probably got something funny to say too, but like the only thing that took me out of the whole Denver story is that the commune for the robots is in the Denver airport. Okay, anybody that's been to Denver, the Denver airport is like seventy miles away from Denver. It's awful. I just had to say that. I don't know why well, I had to say that. Uh, there's this game definitely has some uh, liberties problems. with how far <laughs> apart things are because in this game you can drive from Yuma to Denver in about 30 seconds. Yeah. So I think they just it's do it real for the sake car. of making it easy. Yeah, I know. I just had to bring it up. What about you, Paul? <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think just kind of jumping straight to end game, the game does put you in a position where you finally have to make a choice whether or not you're going to support the patriarch or work against him. And the whole game is kind of leading up to that moment. You find out some details about the Patriarch. Of course, he's not all good. He's a tyrannical dictator of the area. He's holding people hostage in prisons below his palace. You know, he's not a, a he's not the worst dude in the world, but he's not great. And in my playthrough, it seemed very obvious to me that you're supposed to bring him down. I, I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not. And my team. Basically, half of the people said, I'm not going to support you while doing this. And so I had multiple people who either I had to arrest and hold hostage while I work against the patriarch. Our boy, Quan. Quan says, I'm oh, not going to do it. I'm not fighting the patriarch. And to be honest with you, I would go fight with the marshals to defend the patriarch. And then my only option was kill Quan or stick him in prison. And also Lucia said, I'm not going to do this. And she pulls out a gun to shoot me. And then Angela brings out her gun and shoots her instead. So the game puts you in a position where you're going to lose like half of your party members. And I felt like that's what the game wanted. But I don't know that it really made any sense because the patriarch wasn't like a real hero. It seemed kind of silly to me that we were going to lose our own squad members lives over this and it was such a bummer then to lose out on some of my favorite party members i you know my favorite thing to do is is disagree with josh but i'm gonna disagree with you paul um i think that it was very easy to determine which party members were going to go with you based on the dialogue that you had with them beforehand like my party i built up knowing that if i was going to go against the patriarch i was only losing marshall losing marshall kwan and i lost him but I wonder what changed because I didn't have to arrest him or kill him. I just said, stay here. And he was like, okay, I'm not helping you, which is really strange, which means we must have made some different decision there. But I think that it wasn't like the quarry where when we did the review on the quarry, we know that a lot of it was so luck based. I feel like this game actually told you if you took the time to talk to your characters, who was going to be on your side and who wasn't. That being said, I do agree with you, though, that it was a bummer to lose people because Marshall Kwan was my homeboy. That's all I mean. It's clear who supports the Patriarch. Okay. But to me, it didn't make sense that certain characters were so loyal to the Patriarch. Because he's clearly not all good or bad. And none of your options in this game are all good or bad. This game tries to live in the moral gray. And so it was kind of weird that all of a sudden, like, characters are drawing lines in the sand. And then you were losing so many important skills. So for me, it was like, well, now I have no character that has any points in sneaky stuff. And now I'm just kind of stuck where I can't use this at all, or I couldn't use certain weapons. So I wasn't, I wasn't too crazy about that. The end to me didn't feel terribly satisfying. It kind of felt like they just wanted you to feel 
the loss of half your team. How are we going to force it? Well, we're going to force it through this decision, not half your team. You don't lose that many people, but you, you lose some no matter what. So I don't know. Ultimately, I've, I found the middle of the game to be the most fun. The ending I didn't find terribly satisfying. Anything else you guys want to talk about by way of uh, spoiler content here? No, I mean, there's a lot to this game. And like I said, between the the missions and the choices that you can make, this game has a ton of different endings. Your choices really do matter. And they matter even in the side quests and some of the smaller dialogue options and stuff. The game actually does a good job of remembering that. So if if that's up your alley, then I think this game fits with that really, really well. Um, but... Yeah, spoiler-wise, that's probably it. I don't want to spoil too much, but there's some funny moments in some of the overall plot stuff that I think we had to cover. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we gave a few of our thoughts about the game. Josh, you've got some community reviews to read for us? I do indeed. So as we always do, we always try to give some different viewpoints on the games that we cover. We go to Steam for that. Uh, I pull some of the reviews from there. I always try to find a couple good ones, a couple negative reviews, just to give you a balanced viewpoint on this. So this first one comes in as recommended. Person has 150 hours on record, so they've played this game quite a bit. And it says, if you are like me, middle-aged dad with some downtime between watching the world end and helping your kids with pandemic-caused on-and-off homeschooling, a job that is slowly sucking the life out of you, and you loved playing old-school RPGs like Forgotten Realms games, Fallout 2, Baldur's Gate, Planescape Torment, etc., this escape into a world that feels like it could be reality any day now gives you the fantasy that you have any chance of surviving such an end. Plus, it has references and jokes about the world you grew up in before your baby boomer parents set it on a path to the hellish landscape it is today. <laughs> and you get to fix toasters for cool prizes. <laughs> Very nice. So that one, really, the reason I pulled that one is because this game is I am the middle aged dad, um, you know, as as are you two fine gentlemen that. You know, I loved the Forgotten Realms game, Fallout 2, Baldur's Gate, Planescape Torment. These are all games that are in the similar vein. So if you were a fan of those, you'll probably be a fan of this game as well. Um, all right. So this next one comes in not recommended 0.8 hours on record. Oh, dang. That's not much time at all. <laughs> so they made a they made wow. a quick decision on this one. And uh, it says, remember how great Wasteland 2 was? Remember the gritty, serious atmosphere with humorous flavors? Remember how strategic combat was? Well, tough luck. This is a completely different game. This abomination looks like Fortnite. It went from gritty and occasional humor to wacky offbeat laughs in a gritty setting. Combat? Prepare for the ultimate inconsolitis. Gone are the amazing tactics from Wasteland 2. Now you have the simple interface and simple tactics, all for the almighty console. Go play Pillars of Eternity 2 or Divinity or Wasteland 2 or even Baldur's Gate. This game is nothing like Wasteland 2. Seriously, is this even the same development team? What in the world happened? Uh, it was crowdfunded. That's what happened. Uh, it, this game was <laughs> crowdfunded, actually. The second one was true. also. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. You know, there, there's one thing in there that even though I did not play Wasteland 2, I will say that the game seems to start off very gritty. And there's not a whole lot of humor. The very beginning, all of your fellow rangers are dying left and right. People are getting blown up. People are held hostage. The Dorseys are psychopathic killers. And I felt like that set the mood for me where I was like, oh, this is a pretty gritty world. And then all of a sudden, you've got pigs running out of rooms, exploding, 
and frozen <laughs> ferret ammunition. It felt to me like it starts gritty and then it kind of hits you out of nowhere. Oh, there's actually a little bit of Far Cry style over the top humor. And the game does try to do both. And I don't know that it really accomplished either terribly well. There are parts that are very gritty and hardcore. There are parts that are incredibly funny, but it does feel a little incongruous, I thought, it's, when you play the game. It's definitely a tale of like three different ideas or something, because you're right. Yeah. The, the, the humor really ramps up in the middle of the game, but you're right. It's non-existent for like the first part of it. You know, um, it, it is a little jarring, I guess, is the best way to, to put that. So, all right, this next one, 54 hours on record, not recommended. Uh, and it says, wow. having played Wasteland 2 and Wasteland 3 back to back, I got to say, I like this one a lot less. Wasteland 2 is kind of buggy and rough, but has that nostalgic charm that takes me back to the days of Baldur's Gate and Fallout 1 and 2. Wasteland 3 just tries to be all XCOM-y and Divinity-like, but without any of that polish. The majority of the characters are cringy and one-dimensional, sucking any immersion out of the experience. With the exception of Colorado Springs and the near final area where you deal with Liberty, most of the other locations feel more like little dungeon crawls filled with a bunch of quirky post-apocalyptic things, like killer clowns, robots, cyborgs, cannibals, or whatnot. It just doesn't have the sprawling scope that old RPGs had. The world does feel pretty small. I agree 100%. That's why I picked this one, honestly, is it is one of the faults that this is not a fully fleshed out, massive world like a lot of RPGs that you're probably used to have. Yeah, it's like when you get to Vic, for instance, the middle of the two children of the patriarch that you go to, you see him for a total of about five minutes, and he's bonkers, but that's it. So the one-dimensional thing that that reviewer said, it, it's so true. It's like, hey, we're going to get this guy, and it's like, well, he's clearly bad and bonkers, so I should probably kill him, and then that's it. You never talk about him again. It's done. Yeah, one other thing as well, talking a little bit about like the size of the world, the, the game does have random encounters when you're in the overworld, and it's the same map over and over and over <laughs> that you play and it's like oh yeah i've seen this 25 times before and i don't know it's it feels like for an rpg it's pretty limited in scope compared to what and it's not fair to compare things to dos 2 and pillars of eternity like these are games that are enormous and they're very stand apart wasteland 3 just feels very rpg light in that regard compared to those other sprawling ones which is yeah. surprising from a 30-plus-hour RPG. Yeah. It's it's just segmented as well, which is weird. In a lot of RPGs, you can seamlessly kind of go from one area to the other. Or if you're in an area, it's a huge area to kind of just wander around and explore before you go to, like, the world map and then go to another huge area. In in Wasteland 3, it's, it's the opposite. It's like you have these smaller areas where you're in a town or you're at, you know, in Denver or an airport or side mission with this big sprawling overworld map that you drive your truck around. But that there's not a lot that happens there in that part. And so it's just a little backwards. Yeah. So, all right, this last one comes in as recommended. They have 50 hours on record, and it says, Starts slow, but gets very engaging and intense. Great combat and RPG elements. The world is very atmosphere-rich and dark, and making moral choices is often very difficult. I still wonder if I made the right ones. <laughs> so, and Paul, you touched on this. This game lives in the world of gray. There's 
very seldom is there a right and wrong decision. And sometimes even if you think there is and you go, well, I'm going to make the right decision, it turns out that that wasn't actually the right decision. Yeah. You know? Um, and so this game does that a lot to where it, it is very just in that middle gray area to where you, it's hard to know if you're making the right decisions and is one way really like a big swing or not. And that's probably the best compliment I can give the game. I do appreciate that they put you in difficult situations and you have to make a choice. You're going to live with your consequences. And if you're really into this game, you're really going to love multiple playthroughs because you're going to get to make different decisions and see how it plays out. All right, fellas. Well, that's what the community thought. Now it's turn to take a, uh, it's time to take a guess <laughs> at what we think the overall rating on Wasteland 3 is. This is from the Steam Reviews all-time ratings on a scale of 0 to 100. And I think, Paul, you won last time, if I remember. Did I? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. I did win last time. So I get to go first. You guess first. All right. You know, uh, this is a hard one to come at because I have no idea how well-regarded Wasteland 2 was compared to this. I don't know if most people think this was a step forward or a step back. I have a feeling most people probably liked it. I'm thinking it's going to be in the very high 80% range. I'm going to say 89% is my guess. All right, 89% for Paul. Michael? You know, this was this is probably the hardest one I've had so far. Like normally I have some kind of an idea. You know, normally it's like Oh, we've heard things about people saying it's glitchy. I have no idea what people think about this game, so I'm going to throw a dart at 82 just because I think I I think that I was maybe moved a little bit by some of the reviews that that Josh just read about people not liking this much as Wasteland 2, and so I think that Paul is a bit too optimistic. So I'm going to 82. All right. Well, I wrote my guess down before I checked the scores, and it just so happens that I actually hit this one right on the head. So unless oh, one of no you way. two stole my guess, then I knew <laughs> that I was going to get this one. I guessed 84%. Oh, I, thought, I thought, you know what? This game's fine. There's there's enough to like. There's some things that I could see people not liking. So I figured it was going to be very middle of the pack score-wise, um, which, which in my mind put it somewhere in the low to mid 80s and i just guessed 84 which it exactly is 84 wow uh, all-time reviews so see i don't i I don't like this genre of rpg where it's the turn-based tactical so for me i'm thinking like maybe i'm just missing something that other people would have so i gave it like a a little bit of a like five percent boost for that but 84 honestly is probably about where this game deserves to be yeah Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, that means I am your new champion. And my first decree as champion is that I get to introduce this next segment. So hit that music, Paul. No, Party Bot. Party Bot. Hit that music. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Hey, Angela Death. If you were a Transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. (laughs) Good old Angela. That was great. I I didn't realize until like the very last time I talked to her. It's like, oh, Angel of Death. Angela yeah. Death, Angela. Yeah. Uh, I'm really dense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice little play on words there. Did you also yeah. notice names like Liberty <laughs> and Liberty? Victory? Liberty? <laughs> <laughs> the throne, the throne of nukes that the Patriarch sat on that kill. Yeah. I saw it. I was like, he's literally sitting on a throne of like missiles. Well, it was like it's the like, Iron Throne from Game yeah, of Thrones, exactly, but yeah. with rockets yeah, instead with of rockets. swords. Yeah. Yep. All right, so. This segment is called Make Love, Marry, or Murder. 
Uh, this is where we are going to rate the game individually. We, we read some of what the community thinks, what the overall score is, but this is where we're going to tell you what we actually think about this game. A Mary means you should absolutely play this. It is worth your money. Listen to this podcast and then go play this game because we think you're going to love it. Make Love is, hey, probably worth it. It's a lot of fun. I definitely don't regret playing it. And then Murder is, steer clear, this is not worth your money or your time. Take a recommendation and just look somewhere else. Um, I'll go first on this one, since you guys think I'm always negative on everything. It, <laughs> it's not a murder for me. Um, this is a Make Love. Um, it's a... It's not a great make love. It's not a bad make love. It's a very middle of the path make love for me. When I first started playing this game, I kind of went, man, I don't know if this game's going to work for me. Like it seemed a little low budget. It seemed a little weird. And then it picks up in the middle of the game. And then the end is, eh, you know, it's okay. Um, but I was left with just that this is a fun, RPG for what it is. I I didn't ever mind playing it. I'm not sure I ever really looked forward to playing it like a whole lot. Got really excited about it. Um, so it's it's just a like a, a normal make love for me. I think it's plenty fun to play, but I don't think it's super memorable either. I think that's totally fair. What what are you thinking, Michael? I hated playing this game twice. Uh, when I started <laughs> on the PlayStation Five, and I played through four hours. And it was awful because the combat was just so hard to figure out. And then I had to do it again on the PC. I had to start over and do it again. And I hated the first four hours. And then I found myself looking forward to playing it after that for some reason. I think I think once you got to, you know, spoiler territory, which I won't mention since we've already gotten past that, there are some funny and fun things that happen. That being said, I don't love this game. I'm not marrying it. I think it's fine. It's a fine game. I'm making love to this game. It's totally worth, like, I mean, what, what does this game cost? Like 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something like 40. that? 40. 40? Okay, whatever. It's worth 40 bucks. It today. retails for 40. It's, this game's yeah, been out for a it. long time. You can get it for much, much cheaper. Yeah, I think, I think it was, I, I think my playthrough was like 31.3 hours, something like that. And about 25 hours of that I had a great time with, and I think that's totally worth it, and it just, it, it's fine. It's, it's a fun CRPG. I looked forward to playing it. It's very casual. That's what I liked about it, is it's not something super intense. You don't have to put a lot of heart into it, but you get to enjoy a good story. I'm making love to this game. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. It's not bad enough to murder. It's nowhere near marriage material, in my opinion. This game does not hold a candle to any of the fallouts. I get that they're both post-apocalyptic. They kind of come from the same roots. This game is perfectly meh, which I really hate. Like, I always joke with you guys. Like, I would rather really love a game or really hate a game to record the podcast. This game has fun moments. It has boring moments. I think the combat is lacking. I think the story is decent. I will agree with Michael. The first couple hours, I think, are pretty horrific. And then the game kind of hits its stride, and it's pretty darn good in the middle. And then at the end, it kind of loses that steam again, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel rather blech. It's especially compared to other CRPGs, this is one of the worst, in my opinion. Now, it is a genre that I love in general, but my goodness, do you have better options? If if you have played all of the major RPGs and you're really hurting for another one. 
then this game's perfectly fine to pick up, but don't expect it to blow your moldy socks off, yeah. which, by the way, you do loot a lot of yeah. those in this game as well. <laughs> the only thing that really sets Wasteland 3 apart is its setting, and it's, like, it's, I don't want to say atmosphere, but basically it's setting. Like, if you want to play an RPG with rocket launchers, flamethrowers, laser microwave guns, and, and, and absurdity... This frozen is ferrets. right, yeah, and you want to launch frozen ferrets at at bad guys. This game does that in spades. You know, most RPGs are fantasy based or something like that. So if it's like you want that, but you really want a different flavor, then Wasteland Three fits that bill perfectly. It's not a phenomenal game in any sense, and it's not a terrible game in any sense. It's very middle of the road in that regard, as far as the actual gameplay goes. Yeah, like I said, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see where this fine game winds up on our amazing leaderboard. All right. So taking a look at our leaderboard, guys, if anyone here is new to the show, our leaderboard is where, as a consensus, we have to agree where to place this game as opposed to all the other games that we've done a deep dive episode on. So looking at our list, which by the way, you can see at multiplayerpodcast.com. It's right there on the main page. We have done a total of 76 deep dives. And taking a look here, we've got some stuff in the top 10, like Apex Legends and Satisfactory. Towards the middle of the pack, we've got Killing Floor 2 at 37. We've got Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes at 42. Down in the 60s, we've got some stuff like Human Fall Flat, Minecraft Dungeons, and then towards the bottom, we've got stuff like Hood, Outlaws, and Legends. I don't know about you guys. When I look at this, uh, I- I'm kind of looking where do the games transition from, oh, yeah, I recommend that, to, yeah, I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, that's right where this game falls, which I think is like really darn close to Death Loop and Tiny Tiny Tina's Dude, Wonderlands. That's exactly what I was thinking. I, no yeah. lie, I was legitimately staring down Death Loop and being like, I think it's right right next to Death Loop for me. That's what yep. I was thinking. Yeah, it's like in the that's very insane. late forties. Yeah, and I have I have not played Death Loop, but I was like, you know what? This feels a lot like Tiny Tina's Wonderland. It was fine. That game was fine. It's fine. Yeah. And so it's like I'm like that. That's exactly well, where that's, it goes. That's hilarious. Um, would you put it above or below Death Loop? Do you guys are you are you I, thinking a few away from that? I would put it below Death Loop. But I think I would put it above Tiny Tina's. Personally. I am honestly 100% with you. That, this is <laughs> wow. the fastest consensus that we've wow. ever had because I'm, yeah, it's number 49. Done. Okay. We're all yeah, calibrating that's... to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that says a lot about Wasteland 3. It's fine. It's, it's, it's you know, yeah. it's fun. It's not bad. Yeah. If you can get it for cheap, it probably makes it even better. Yeah. And if you're just hungry for a different setting in a, in a CRPG, if you're a fan of that genre and you just want something different, then it's fine. (laughs) I feel like this would be a very good game for like, okay, I am going to travel overseas. Maybe I'm flying to Japan and I'm going to be flying for about 20 hours and be like, you know what? I don't want something I'm like, I gotta really pay a lot of attention to. Maybe I'm playing on a Steam Deck or something. It's a perfect game for this. Game's fine. I'd rather play <laughs> DOS 2 again, yeah. <laughs> personally, but I, I hear you. It's, it's a good point. If you want something new, it might be worth checking out. But if you yeah. have other RPGs you haven't tried, there's just a lot to pick from. That's going to do it yeah. a lot better. 
Yeah. All right. Well, then we will lock it in. This will be number 49 on our leaderboard. And uh, I think that basically wraps everything up here for this episode. We do want to say thank you to eBlitz for sponsoring the episode. As a reminder, please visit MultiplayerSquad.com to see our Patreon page where you can support the show and get those bonus episodes. Also, if you want to start playing our next deep dive game, you can get started on Broforce. We will (laughs) deep dive that game two weeks from today. Ironically, there is a little bit of overlap as far as the viewpoint of America and how America functions in the world. <laughs> There's a little <laughs> bit of overlap there. And we do want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We love you all. And until next time, happy gaming. You got to say it first, Michael. I was, I was ah! waiting you down. Is this a game of chicken? <laughs> I, was, I was like, I always, I always go next. Yeah. Um, okay. Final comment. Go look up YouTube, uh, Wasteland 3 full soundtrack with radio songs and timestamps and just have a blast with some awesome music because the music in this game is probably a 94, even though the game's only an 84. All right. Cheers, all. All right. See you, everybody.